And we're on. Welcome back to the Lads Beer Club podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by a man on a very similar journey to me, actually. Our Instagram page is crossed and we got chatting from there. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Marco. How are you? Yeah, very well. Just, uh, I think, adjusting to the new norm of life Mm -hmm. in lockdown, like many people are, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a new norm, is it? It's like a sort of regular norm now, but it, yeah, it's it's weird. And it's get, I think it's getting on top of me a bit, but it's just trying to plod on, isn't it? Open for the best in the next few months. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm very similar to you. I'm just trying to keep busy, trying to uh, mm. keep your mind off the, I suppose, it's hard to call it isolation because I've got my wife and my kid in the next mm. room, but it, it does feel like a form of isolation, doesn't it? Well, you start to miss all the normal things, like the things that you took for granted before. Like I'm, I'm a little bit sort of introverty, so I'm a bit like I don't mind staying in, and I quite like my own space. But um, yeah, I miss like going to coffee shops and going to like restaurants and like even like stuff that I never did, like going to the cinema. Uh, yeah. Just I don't know. It's just the the, the norm. It's really weird. Um, but yeah, looking forward to hopefully doing it all again. Yeah, it's what it's one of them things where. When you can't do something, you, you really want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's 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 just like when you, when you um, somebody else's food always tastes better when it's not yours. I think it's a I think it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit like that. Do you know it's weird when it, when I grew up, I always used to want everybody else's like magazine or newspaper and stuff like that. It's probably a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, John, one of the first things we always do is uh, have you got your your round in for this evening? Yes, I have. Yeah, I've got a Whitstable Bay. I've never had it before. <laughs> it's Whitstable lush. Bay. <laughs> yeah, it's an IPA. I've, I've I've got into IPAs over lockdown. So really, yeah. I'm still stuck on the course. I've been on the course since I started this, and I've I, in fact no, I, I oh, yeah. deviated once and woke up with a stinking headache on the Peroni. So I've gone back to the course. Oh, uh, <laughs> the course oh, light. Okay. <laughs> yeah, course light's lush. I like course light. Yeah. Are you a big drinker, John? No, not really. No. <laughs> I like I like the odd beer, um, and I like um, when I drink properly. When I, you know, in the old days, and and you know, when you you have a few, I'm a bit of a bit more of a vodka drinker, a bit more of yeah, a same. spirits man. Um, but um, I do like a beer, just chilling. Um, it's just like uh, it's difficult because two or three, and it's just too much, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's tricky. So let's um, dive straight in, John. So um, let's go straight back to the beginning. Okay. Growing up, what was your life like with, with your family, with your dad? Was your dad around? Let's uh, let's start there, mate. Cool, yeah. Um, I had a, a, I guess, kind of comparatively speaking, a fairly decent upbringing, I guess. Um, very, uh, you know, had most things we wanted, all that kind of thing. My dad was around for majority of it mum and dad split up when i was a teenager 13 14 uh, and then he moved away when i was about 15 16 um but no life was good ish it was one of those situations where i kind of took it all in my stride i enjoyed it as a kid but looking looking back it was um kind of one of those situations where um now i know a bit more about it all now i've been a bit more kind of uh, retrospect and a bit more kind of i've learned a lot about things um maybe it wasn't quite as nice as i thought it was it was quite disconnected emotionally it was quite 
I guess, kind of stereotypes. It was like crack on, you know, do do what you need to do for yourself kind of thing and fend for myself. And at the time, at the time, I think I really liked that. I was kind of uh, really wanting my independence and all that kind of thing. So it's quite nice that I was given it kind of by proxy. Um, but yeah, looking back, I wish I'd had things slightly different, I guess. Um, as far as my dad's concerned and my relationship with him, it was a bit a bit, a bit of an odd one, really, a bit of a roller coaster um, growing up. Um, my brother was a big footballer, like top footballer. Um, when we when we moved down here, because we were originally from the northeast, from Newcastle, um, and he was doing really well. And uh, my dad kind of, I guess, kind of didn't, I guess, kind of didn't really care about my football because at the time he was so good that it didn't matter how good I was, he was doing really well. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of got forgotten about it a little bit. Um, and then my brother went. And then my brother went off the rails a bit and didn't really go anywhere with football. And at the, around the same time as that happened, I started to do quite well. So my dad kind of slipped back in a bit, and um, we had a bit more of a relationship around that. But it was always a bit um, standoffish with regards to like, um, you know, he, he wasn't very good at giving me praise, stuff like that. It was more a case of if I did something wrong, he was happy to point it out so I could, you know, know I did it wrong, kind of thing. And um, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a kind of. I was always kind of fighting for him to sort of like give me some silent judgment of happiness. Do you know what I mean? It was quite a weird one. Um, yeah, and then when he moved away and stuff, it was kind of like I just kind of thought to myself, "Look, this is the best thing for him. This is what he wants." And obviously, I care about him. So, yeah, fine. We'll we'll make a relationship. We met up. We, we used to have season tickets to uh, Sunderland with Sunderland fans. Um, <laughs> which is a bit harsh at the moment. Um, but yeah, we used to have season tickets and even though he moved away, he used to drive down, pick me up and we used to still go up every week or every other week. And and, and uh, that was still something we shared and we still share it now, obviously. Um, but no, in my adult life, starting into my adult life, we just kind of didn't have anything to do with each other for a long period of time. Um, and then we reconnected, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you're coming onto this, but we reconnected, I guess, properly about kind of, I don't know, about 10 years ago, five, six, seven years ago. Um, and yeah, we've got a, we've got a new relationship. Why well, I call a new relationship now. We've kind of got kind of got a really good friendship where it's kind of like a bit more equal than it used to be, um, which is which is different at times because it's I think it's hard for him to sort of always treat me like that. He still sees me as his son and, and he should talk to me like a son kind of thing. But, you know, I'm mid-30s and I think... Uh, Majority of the time, I think he finds it much easier just to see me like another bloke in the pub. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, and from my from my angle, I quite like that because I want a relationship with him. I care about him, and he's given me no reason to hate him. He's given me no yeah. reason to sort of despise him. He's only wanted what's best for me the last few years, uh, at least. And um, yeah, wants to be in my daughter's life. Wants to spend time with her. So for me, that's it's great. You know, it's just kind of. Um, keeping it on the right terms for us all, really, and and I'm more open than ever to sort of just speak to him about it if anything did arise. So yeah, it's it's good. That's better than it was. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you think the way? Because do you think you, the way your dad was with you growing up has shaped the way you've become a father? Yeah. Um, in lots of ways, in lots of ways, in a positive way, actually, because um, I try and take everything a bit positive. I try to take everything as like, even if it's something that's bad that's happened, I try to turn it into a positive. And, um, you know, what I remember about our relationship as a kid when I was really small, um, what I think about when I think about it is that's not what I want with my daughter. That's not what I want as a dad. I want yeah. to be more connected. I want to have that emotional relationship where we know how each other feels and we're happy around each other and we like to spend time together. 
my dad was away a lot with work and when he was back from work when we were really small you know he was he was a fun bloke to be around and he was happy to do stuff with us but there were there were real times where I remember quite distinctly me, my brother and my sister having to sort of occupy ourselves because he just didn't want to do anything. He was relaxing. You know, he's traveling a lot for work and knackered. He just wanted to relax. So, and at the time you sort of justify that and kind of go, that's all right. It's the way it is. Um, But I'd have liked to have spent more time with him, I think, and had a better relationship. So the way I look at it from um, shaping my parents or parenting kind of situation is I want I want to do the opposite as much as I possibly can and yeah. be, be around as much as I can um and then and then there are some good things I do I do take from him you know in a sense of um you know when he was a, when he was in his caring phase uh he's a right sop you know he's a proper soppy guy when he gets into it and um you know I I, I think I'm really soppy with my daughter I think I'm proper full-on and I look at some of my mates with kids and I just think they're not quite as like girly and soppy as I am, you know, as a, as a dad. So, and I, you know, I, I love it. I kind of love it. I kind of don't care. You know, I just, I just, to me, it's like, uh, she's an important thing. My daughter, she's a big, important thing in my life. I should show her that by affection. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't, I don't see why you shouldn't. We're in 2021. It's not the, it's not the fifties or the sixties or whatever, where, you know, you can be frowned upon for showing affection or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. sad. I couldn't care less what people think. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it shapes me positively, probably not from a copying point of view, but it shapes me because I, I, I'm, I'm shrewd enough to look back and go, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to end up the same as what happened with me. So yeah. Yeah, very similar to you. Um, you know, I said this a couple of times. I didn't really have a relationship with my father at all, and and still don't to this day. <clears throat> and and grow, having becoming a father, it's very much. I don't want my child to grow up not having a kid. Uh, sorry, not yeah. having a father because you know, growing up, I very much noticed that I didn't have a dad. You know, yeah. I would I would look at my friends and I would going to football practice with with the dads and doing all these things that you would normally do with your dad and you know you sort of look around mm. and it's like oh yeah he's he's not here yeah um, so th- that very much for me was the driving force of Lord, i can't allow my kid to go through the same so i'm going to try yeah. and do everything that he didn't do and do it mm. and do it better yeah it's great you can turn it into positive isn't it it's, it's kind of one of those things where it, it really can make you horrific or it can yeah. make you a great person um yeah. and yeah I, I love that we share that in a way because you know the work that i do and stuff like that i do come across a lot of people young people as well probably younger than us probably not learned it yet but yeah. um you know young, younger lads that have become dads and all they know is what they had growing up yeah. um, and they can't ref- they can't reflect enough to steer away from it and they they look at it and they just they're the same it's just repeating the cycle and it's quite scary so it's good that we can look on the other, other side of it yeah but i think i do think that comes with a certain sense of maturity because i think if maybe yeah. if i'd had children or maybe yourself if you've had children at a much younger age mm. who knows you know i, I think yeah. I look back at, i look back at myself at 20 21 and i think i'd have definitely done it differently than i am now at what, what, yeah two when i had leo so yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think, if, if I was, even if I was thirty-one, I think I'd have been a terrible dad. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them where, um, yeah, I was definitely, I definitely have to be ready emotionally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So, um, two brothers and a sister. Was that what your family situation growing up? Is that 
Yeah, there was, there was me. I had I had one brother and a sister, so there's two one lads in the last year. So, Sorry, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, growing into adulthood, was was a family something that you always wanted to have? Did you, did you know you want to have kids? Uh, do you know, I've always loved kids. Uh, I've always kind of like uh, wanted to work with kids, wanted to, you know, do things with kids in a sense of uh, jobs and things like that. And I've always enjoyed, I've always been that cool uncle, you know, everybody's mate who's like really awesome with their kids kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, always making all the, all the ladies kind of go, oh, he's so good with the kids kind of thing and all that kind of thing. I, you know, I used to be that guy. Um, but ultimately, I was always the guy that was really pleased I was handing it back. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, because, because honestly, I, you know, like I said, up until my thirties, I was kind of like, um, I was either not settled down, or if I was settled down with with a partner, I was more thinking, kind of just like it the way it is, just me and her. Um, yeah. But I was always open to it, um, and then when I met my wife, um, do you know, I was in a frame of mind where I was like, don't care either way. Like, I, if if I have kids, great. If I don't, we love each other. It's amazing. Let's just have a nice life. Um, yeah. But my wife wanted kids, so we were both like, yep, yeah, let's do this. I wanted to have kids too. So um, I guess I've always had a pretty open mind about it. Um, but um, when I speak to people, uh, when I spoke to people back then, you know, like people who are like never having kids, never, ever having kids, yeah. and then people who are like, I want 10 kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, when I was speaking to them, I was always a bit like, I don't get it. I don't get why you feel so like extreme about this. Like this yeah. is such a big thing. You shouldn't have an extreme thought process. You should actually just relax a bit and let it sort of come to you. Not not like fate. I don't really believe in fate, but you should relax and sort of let that sort of um, timing happen with regards to your own like ability to, to do it. Um, yeah. So now I kind of know why I was like that because I just wasn't ready. And I was thinking maybe I will or I won't. Um, and now I look back, I can understand those extreme thoughts because I absolutely adore my daughter. And if I knew I was going to get her as a kid, you know, I'd have probably, like you said, I'd have probably like been really excited and done it 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. maybe that wouldn't have been right. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a round the house answer, but I was always kind of, uh, <laughs> I was always kind of on the, on the fence, to be honest, on the fence. Part. Right. I always, I myself, I always wanted to have a big family. Um, mm. my wife didn't want any kids. They said, no, oh, really? Yeah. So I really <laughs> had to, I had to strong arm her into having one, <laughs> you know, she used to put the, the blockers in place. So it was like, you know, at first it was, we used to live in a rented apartment and it was like, <laughs> you know, we need to buy a house then we need to get married and then we can have a kid. And I'm like looking at that thinking I'm miles away from getting married and miles away from having a kid. <laughs> so yeah, like, systematically a, like. We had a similar thing. My wife, um, like, she isn't, um, she isn't like staunch Catholic, but her family, part of her family, are quite Catholic, and it, it was one of those things where, like, we had to do it right, if you know what yeah. I mean, like traditional. We had to get married, and then we had to have kids, etc. And I'm a little bit older than my wife, so <laughs> when we were to get, when we sort of unmarried, I was sort of saying to her, you know, like, I want to have a kid before I'm 35, um, and she was. So obviously we had my daughter two years ago. So um, she was 28. She's probably going to kill me for that, but she was 28. Um, and like, that's probably wrong. Um, she, um, you know, she it felt a little bit rushed. I don't mind saying that. I think she did feel a little bit rushed because of that. But 
you know, I kind of just desperately wanted to have a kid as soon as we got married because of that traditional sort of like barrier that was yeah. put in place. Yeah. So I can totally relate, actually. Um, have you got a big family like beyond your family then, like brothers, sisters and stuff like that? Like? Yeah, so <clears throat> so obviously I mentioned I didn't, I didn't know my dad. Um, so just with, with my mum growing up, I had two sisters and a brother. Right. But my dad also has, well, I'll get this right, two, three, so my dad has three boys and a girl. So I've got two brothers and a sister on my dad's side as well. Wow. So, yeah, fairly big family. And then are you all, was, are you all, are you all, sorry. Do you all get together? Do you do anything together? Like, do you, do you get together or not? No. Not really. No. no. So my, my um, <laughs> one of my brothers on my dad's side, I'm really close with. And we're, we're, we're like best mates. We do a lot together. My sister, who is my the, the guy I just mentioned, that's his direct sister. I have a right. semi-relationship with her. But then we have another brother that I don't really have any contact with at all from a completely different family. Yeah. Um, but then on my mum's side, my mum's side, I'm I'm very close with all with all those guys. Yeah, cool. Cool. That's really good. Yeah. So yeah, so for me, I, I sort of wanted to have a fairly big family. My my mum yeah. was adopted as well growing up, and she oh, really? was adopted cool. into a family of eight. So oh. again, eight brothers and sisters. So eight aunties yeah. and uncles. Growing into my family, it's about eight. So it was like, yeah. I would, but yeah, I've managed to squeeze out one. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think you'll have time to work on your wife a bit more? Does she, well, she love in motherhood or? <laughs> she loves it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but he is testing. Like he is. Yeah. He is a. He is a testing child and. I don't know if I, if I was a betting man. Yeah, I'd say never. Really? <laughs> yeah, never. Is that never from happened. you or from her? Is no, it from, from you? Or from I'd have another one tomorrow. Oh, really? But, really? Yeah. Her, she's like, like if I asked her now, she'd say, "I'm done. I'm done." That's it. Really? Uh, see, yeah. that's so that's that's fairly unique, and, and in a, in a good way, you know, everybody's different. But like the pressures to, for women these days, to once they've had a kid, you know, it's it's a well known thing that's quite natural really you know once they've had a baby that the hormones you know they completely change and they become massively maternal and most of the time most of the time women really want to go straight back into it yeah. um, so that's really interesting that's really I, I mean i haven't come across many women in her situation where, where they're like no no yeah yeah so yeah me i would definitely but yeah it's it, i don't i don't unfortunately i think that's a non-starter but which is which is also why i was so desperate to have a son yeah because you know i always wanted to have a every man wants a boy right i, I think imagine you know you want to make you want to be a footballer you want to do all that sort of stuff with them so yeah. when um yeah. when um we we found out we were having a we were having a child i was just praying to the gods that it would be a boy <laughs> i mean it's, it's one of those things isn't it it's like I, I i i totally get where you're coming from like having a lad would be ace and there was a part of me when i was younger i think i was massively arrogant as a kid um and that sort of bleeding through to adult life i was like oh a little me that would be amazing yeah. um but now i've got a daughter and how easy she's been not not easy all the time she's a toddler she's she's hard work do you know what i mean but yeah. the e the easy sides of things having a girl and being a girl dad so far outweigh the potential like negatives of having a boy so like i've got mates that have got boys i've got mates that have got girls all i ever really hear from the mates who've got girls is that 
they're really happy they've got girls because all they know and all I know from the mates who've got boys is that it's just a nightmare having boys. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but then again, having said that, all of my mates who have girls um, are are or were desperate for a boy. You know what I mean? Like to sort of complete the pack. Um, yeah. So when people are asking me quite rudely as they do, and you might ask me this, but like, you know, when people are asking me like, are you going to have another kid? I'm always a bit like, you know, if we do, we do. We, we were obviously thinking about it, all that kind of thing. And then they say, oh, what would you want to have? And I'm like, do you know, like, massive part of me thinks another girl would just be ace because, like, things have been so smooth with with my daughter. But then another massive part of me is like, oh, I'd be ace to have a boy and a girl, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. just complete the set kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm so, like, there's just so many pros and cons in play. It's like... I've got a friend actually from your neck of the woods, Lincoln, who is, um, he's got three, he had three girls. And then when I had my boy, every, every time I'd post something on like Snapchat or whatever, he'd message me saying, oh, I'm so jealous. I want a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say to him, just, just have another mate, try it. And he's like, I can't risk yeah. it. I just can't risk another like four girls. He said, I can't do it, but he did. Got, he did. He, he risked yeah. it and uh, he got the boy on the, on the fourth. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Imagine that. There's, um, there's a lad I know, uh, who has seven boys. Um, wow. and, yeah. And, and do you know, he was telling me the story cause I had to ask him. He was telling me the story at about five, they almost stopped completely, but they were trying, they were trying for the girl. Um, and then they stopped trying for the girl. And actually the seventh was not a mistake, but kind of not really planned. Um, yeah. But seven boys of varying ages. I mean, he's a hero in himself. He's actually a really great uh, men's mental health advocate, actually, that I've come across. He's doing some really great work and become a really good friend. But um, yeah, and then there's the lads that I know that I've just been talking about who have girls. One of them has had the snip and one of them hasn't. And they, they both regularly tell me, you know, if you have another kid, if you have another kid and you have a boy, I'm disowning you. I don't want to be mates with you anymore because, like, they're just so jealous that I've got potential to have a boy when they're both, like, stuck with their girls. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. It's, yeah, it's, fun. it's a funny one. I think blokes are weirder with this than women, aren't we? We're, we're like, we have so many thoughts about it, whereas, whereas I think women are a bit more... I don't know, they're a bit more like, we don't care kind of thing. If it's a boy, it's a mummy's boy. If it's a girl, it's a little me kind of thing. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm embracing being a girl dad, though. I really like being a girl dad. It's cool. I think the, the, the concern, uh, not to put it on you, but I think the, the concern for me having a girl is when they grow up. I think oh, Mate, I'm already, I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's scaring me every day. She says stuff about, she's two years old. She says stuff about the boys at the childminders, and I'm like, what? what <laughs> ollie said what <laughs> do you know what i mean like ollie tried to kiss you it was like no it's like i don't know i'm just i, I i've got it all to come i know i have but i guess <laughs> i'm sort of clinging i'm clinging to the fact that if i have this great relationship with her all right she isn't going to tell me everything because i'm a bloke but yeah. hopefully she'll be quite open with me about it or bring me into the conversations a bit and i can help her I can help her to just steer herself to decent blokes, you know what I mean, and and not have to worry. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I am worried because she's so. I know every parent says it, but she's so beautiful, and like everybody tells me she's beautiful all the time, and I'm like, look, I I hear you. I know she's beautiful, but stop reminding me because in ten years time, twelve years time, it's going to be really difficult for me to deal <laughs> with if she stays this beautiful. Um, but but you know, the big thing for me when it comes to having a baby boy is the willies the willies weeing everywhere like do you know what yeah. i mean like you've probably you know exactly what i mean probably yeah, because yeah. you've got one but like 
this is when it comes to nappies and stuff she's so easy most of the time do you know what i mean it's so easy it's weird but it's easy do you know what i mean whereas a little a little todger man it's like yeah we've had a few accidents with uh, yeah. weed flying over your shoulder and all sorts of stuff that's all i hear about from people who have lads is just that the weed the weed cannon do you know what i mean it's crazy yeah it's a job moving forward how long was you with your your partner wife at this point before you had had children oh that's a good that's Go a on. good question because i'm rubbish with 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 dates and stuff and years um i think <laughs> so we were she's two and a bit we've been oh god <laughs> i think we were together five years i think we were together five right, years, okay. four or five years something like that we were married for two one or two. <laughs> oh yeah. god i'm so bad at this and it's only a few years um but yeah basically uh yeah we've been together seven years in total and my daughter's two so yeah so how did how did she break the news well my wife yeah so so it's a weird one actually you know um uh well it was a few years ago now and um, we actually had snow which obviously snow's happening now and um, we had really bad snow and we got snowed sort of in we couldn't get into work and stuff so we were working from home a little bit which is weird because that was a novelty back then um but yeah we we're working from home and my wife was a little bit like ill like just really tired and just like feeling really like ropey um and uh we went to the doctors um obviously in our village and um sort of walked through the snow and um the doctor basically was like just gonna do a pregnancy test and we were just like well we kind of had started starting to think that this might be the thing do you know what i mean and um yeah the pregnancy test confirmed it and we were a bit like cool kind of thing it was just a bit kind of but do you know it's <laughs> without being too crude it happened really quick when we started trying so yeah. um it was kind of like the shock was more because we hadn't really given it a chance to really sort of try if you know what i mean it was like yeah. just really quick so we were like um yeah told by the doctor sound done brilliant go get yourself some ginger and stuff for the nausea and all that kind of thing yeah. um and then it was just a case of like shit here we go you know appointments and trying to sort our lives out a bit and um money and <laughs> renovations and all the kind of things you need it was it was mad but Cause, cause yeah, what it was, was like, a nice what's, what's life like for you at that point before like it was before, all right. like, building up to that it was all right you know we were ready because like i say we were trying and we were kind yeah. of thinking about what what we do to the house and stuff so it wasn't like massively revolutionary shocking it was kind of like we were trying we knew we wanted a baby sooner or later like i say it was just a little bit of a rush because we didn't have time to spend months trying and thinking about it longer term. But then I think, you know, we also kind of escaped the worry because I think a lot of couples will worry if they're trying for a long period of time and yeah. not getting anywhere. Um, you know, we were just gifted it straight away really, which is really good. Um, but no, as far as life goes, we were both in decent jobs. We both kind of knew um, that we, we were going to be okay um, with regards to having a baby, I guess. Um, and it was just, um, it was just exciting it was just nice which is a good story to tell really rather than trying to find negatives yeah. it was just really cool it was good yeah and the, the build-up to, to the day was was that how, how was that any any problems throughout the build-up yeah a little bit um my wife had uh, gestational diabetes so we had months of kind of her trying to stay active um and months of 
uh, trying to sort of like look at diet and all that kind of thing. And, and because of that, we knew that if, uh, obviously if she went to term, she would be induced because of the gestational diabetes. You can't kind of go over term. Okay. So um, we kind of had a semi plan of what would happen leading up to it. And I guess really it was just kind of the standard thing of she was huge, she was struggling, you know, she was big and she was tired and um, we kind of almost had everything ready. Everything was cool in our little house that we had at the time. And um, it really, in a way, again, because it went to term, it was kind of giving us the time again to not have to be shocked and rushing into hospital. We were kind of ready and prepared. Um I say ready and prepared because you're never really ready and prepared, but but we were as as prepared as we could be, I guess. Um, did, so did you do all the antenatal classes before the pregnancy? Yeah. You did, yeah, we did, and, I, and do you know I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really liked them. Um, we had really great antenatal classes. Actually, we went to um, you know you know you get your uh, sort of offerings of different things. We we found a, a really nice private one that somebody was doing similar sort of price to the normal ones that were offered by the NHS. Um, and uh, we went along to it. We really enjoyed it. It was really great. Met some great people. We actually met some great friends from it that we stayed friends with, which is obviously a massive uh, social boost to antenatal yeah. um, classes because you're so you know you're so weirded out and sort of fearful about becoming a parent and stuff that um, finding an opportunity to to sort of like meet people who are going through the same thing as you is fantastic. So yeah, made a few friends, um, and uh, we also did hypnobirthing. So. Um, if you, do you know hypnobirthing? Do you know what I mean? I've heard of it. Yeah. So basically, hypnobirthing was a was a was a um, uh, we downloaded we on we we went on this online portal for this hypnobirth and we paid for this session these sessions. Um, hypnobirthing is basically a way of <clears throat> reframing your mind and kind of like trying to take away all the fear and all of the um, anxiety about becoming a mum, becoming a dad. Um, it is um, very similar. The reason it's called hypnobirthing actually is because it's very similar to hypnotherapy practice with regards to uh, mental health issues and traumas and stuff like that. It's about it's about taking it's about telling you more about what's going on so you can understand it better and giving you hints and tips of dealing with those things that are going on. So really, it's not like you know you've not got Paul McKenna there with a watch in front of your eyes kind of thing. It's not hypnotizing you. It's kind of it's just it's just trying to tell you a bit more about what it is and lots of breathing techniques lots of really great um kind of things to help the the mum to get through the the sort of period of uh giving birth so again something we really enjoyed um something i enjoyed to a point it was a little bit boring at times not gonna lie um but me and my wife got something from it um yeah so it was all good <laughs> i guess we we missed antenatal so we um oh, did you? So, yeah not 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 by our choice but weirdly so the first one we had booked in with the nhs we turned up waiting room was full of parents like it like it's supposed to be and um someone came out and was like oh has nobody called you uh oh it's cancelled this week so that was our first one <gasps> so we had everyone no. had turned up and it, it cancelled the second one we went to go to the the tutor call it a tutor whatever, whatever she is midwife or whatever they are mm, yeah. she was sick <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so we turned up again we turned up to both and had had none at all wow. so uh yeah it, it was more wing it and let's see how it goes <laughs> did you do anything did you did you google stuff did you try and find out what to expect no no were you all right no. with that were you both all right with that <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm, Carl is quite laid back. Um, yeah. Although that's what I always tell this story. When they first gave him to me, so we had a Carly had a C-section, and uh, when they um, after that they give us the baby and she's shattered, like laying down naked, and they give me this child and they go, right, you need to feed this kid. Like, how do you feed a kid? Like, I had no idea. Yeah, so I was like, it was at that moment I was like. Do you know, I wish I'd gone to those. I wish we had those on today <laughs> classes. Yeah. yeah. You'd have yeah. forgotten it all anyway. Yeah, I to, shamelessly had to walk out. Excuse me, can you show me what I need to do, please? Uh, to be fair, to be fair, there's so many things in play. No matter what you learn at antenatal, you know, you don't get given an instruction manual. We don't get told anything. We were, we were wondering about after we had ours and we didn't know what to do. We were asking for help. We were worried if we were being silly, asking stupid questions and stuff. It's a, it's yeah. a natural thing, but it's just a little bit more heightened because you didn't get into your antenatal, so you had more going on in your head. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How much? How much did she weigh? Uh, oh God, you've put me on the spot now. Um, <laughs> my wife's in the other room. She she may shout at me if I get this wrong. Um, I think it was like seven pound eight. Something like that. The, the only reason I asked that is that I remember, you know, friends and family having kids before me. And yeah. they, they come around, they have these conversations about the kid. They go, like, oh, yeah, he weighed this, he weighed that. And I used to be like, why do you, like well, how do you remember that? Like, what, why on earth yeah. would you remember that? I remember it. Like, it's, like, it's like my pin number now. Like, I, I know oh, that, really? that number. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's in my See, head. I'm just, I'm just rubbish with numbers and dates and time. And, and I'm a bit like, I don't know what it is, because I never used to be like that. Um, but I guess what I've done in my head subconsciously is think it's not that important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some people find it really important, you know, and that's fine. And... I just don't I don't understand the conversations that people have with it. Like I've been involved in all these conversations. Oh, you know, so and so was ten pounds for yeah, yeah. baby, big baby, oh, must have hurt. It's like I don't really care. Like our baby came out, she was quite small, she was fine, she was due, it was cool, no incubator yeah. needed, you know. What more do you need to know about the way? It's like I don't know what to tell you. No, I've probably got that wrong. But um, it's, it's, she was it fine. is. It's one. It's one of those parenting conversations, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, how much did you do? You're exactly right. Oh, yeah, well, that was a big one. Must have, must have, must have hurt, like you said. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like um, the default conversation that parents seem to have. Yeah, it's a nothing one, isn't it? It's just like a icebreaker. Um, yeah. So, so I guess my icebreaker is I've got no idea. Please ask my wife. That's my icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got that wrong somewhere. I definitely have. So how does how does life change those first four weeks? What's that like? Uh, yeah, it was shocking. Um, <laughs> it was it was kind of like um, it does. You know, the, I, I say this a lot, but the whole um, you know having a baby changes your life. Um, kind of like metaphor whatever you want to call it it really does like from day one it completely changes everything about your life um so we had a pretty complicated traumatic birth and um coming home afterwards uh my wife was still quite quite poorly quite heavy migraines not very well and stuff so um i had an extra week paternity kind of booked in like an annual leave week so i had three weeks off um, and i'm ever so grateful i did because that first week especially or most of that first week i was kind of trying to run around and do everything um which is great um and i remember it fondly and i remember it proudly that i you know just stepped in and just cracked on um 
but I mean the fear of it all, like everything, like just everything was scary. Like, am I gonna break this baby? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, is there is there something wrong with the way I'm holding her? Is there something wrong with the way I'm feeding her? You know, what do we do next? Why does it smell like this? Do I need to wash her? Or not, like Google just got a hammering. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but no, <laughs> do you know what? I, I always look back fondly. I do look back fondly. It was one of those situations where. Uh, it was all over the place. It was a bit crazy. It was tiring. Um, but I, I guess, again, I've probably compartmentalized how tough it was yeah. to a point where I can just look back and just think it was ace. You know, it was really nice. Um, all I kind of remember, actually, was the three weeks coming to an end, going back to work and just feeling like massively low that I was going back to work and having to leave my wife on her own with my daughter. Not because I didn't think she would be fine, because I absolutely did think she would be fine it was more a case I just didn't want to go I just wanted to spend every day with them do you know what I mean but then in the same breath I was like I, I need a break <laughs> and this is my yeah. break going back to work you know what I mean so I don't know it was it was tricky but I like um I like the first few weeks yeah sure I was, I I was, gonna, like I was gonna ask you do, you do you think the two weeks I know you had an extra week but do you think that is enough for nah. dads nah. No, I, I love I love the fact that quite a lot of companies and obviously there's legislation put in place now where companies can offer shared maternity yeah. so that dads can have the same amount as the, the mums. But I also think that there is a little bit of extra leeway needed. You know, there's a there's an expectation. There's a lot of issues with regards to mums needing more time off anyway. So, like, if you had a shared maternity, would that be fair on the mum? You know what I mean? So no. um, there's an element of uh maybe it just needs to be more generally for men so yeah i think if i had my if i think if i had my own way or if i had an opportunity to say something to uh you know to, to make change which which ironically i am hopefully getting opportunities to do that in the next few few months years with the work i do um one of the things i'd throw into the mix is that there's some sort of statutory like month or two you could get like four to eight weeks because i just think that um dad's Dads get more value out of that initial bonding than than is uh, expected, yeah. or than is than I guess the stigma allows. Because scientifically and psychologically, it's proven. It's proven that you know your your baby needs to be around both parents, like yeah. physically and psychologically. And if you're doing a job where you're never going to be home, um, and you go back to that job you're missing out your, your, your baby and you and you as a dad are missing out on a huge chunk of what's important. So I don't think it's enough. I think it needs to be month, a month or two, definitely. Um, and I think that'd be great for all parties considered. I think the person would come back more, more rejuvenated, more recharged going back to work. Um, and I think that you wouldn't um, have as much worry. I think, um, you know, obviously case by case, it'll be different, but I know for a fact that extra week really helped me out. I couldn't imagine going back to work after two weeks off with the situation I was in. I had a really panicked going back in that third week. So I think the more time you have, the more secure you are going back to work, which can only benefit everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I, think it's enough. No, I, I think even maybe a, like a staggered reintroduction to going back to work, maybe not – having a, you know four six eight weeks whatever but you have your full to two weeks and then maybe you go to three days or four days yeah. and you know stagger it so because the one thing that my wife really struggled with was me being there for the first two weeks completely and then i'm gone mm -hmm. for, for five days 
fully. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you, you walk in the door and you can see that she's physically just beat up. Mm. And so, you know yeah. what? Adding, adding on to that, like, when I came home on those first few days, I felt immediately compelled to sort of just wade in straight away as soon as I yeah. come through the door and almost give my wife a break. And, um, you know, that's not that's not good for, for, for us dads. It's not good for the wives either because it's not a normal balance. It's So that staggered thing that you suggested would actually work really well. Maybe even if it's even more flexible and you do half days for a yeah. few weeks where you do like five days a week, we're doing half days and you can just you can manage the cycles of sleeping and eating a bit more for the, for the kid then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I do think this, it's too hard and fast to just say two weeks statutory paternity. Um, I know that businesses and corporations where they are able to are more flexible than ever. And I think it's fantastic. But I think when you've got a small business that can't be flexible because they just can't, you know, for productivity and money, they're just going to go, well, statutory, you only get two weeks, mate. So I was, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like the company I work for now, like I work for a really flexible, lovely company. I'm doing a senior job. Um, but the, in my contract, it's two weeks. Do you know what I mean? So I'd have to, and they probably would be more flexible if I used annual leave. Don't get me wrong, but like it's still in my contract. They're using that because they're a small business. They're using yeah. that because they're a small business. They're not going to put in a contract. Oh, let's, let's discuss it flexibly because small businesses need to protect themselves against people who would take the piss do you know what i mean let's be honest so um yeah something needs to change something needs to change for sure even if it's like subsidized somehow subsidized from the government or something i don't know so <clears throat> I, re I read a really interesting report recently about finland and have you seen how they manage their paternity yeah do you know someone was telling me about this um recently oh, who was it <laughs> might have been you i don't know somebody somebody was telling me about it um offline about looking into scandinavian paternity and maternity yeah. cover and how they work it generally but i haven't looked deeply so yeah hit me with it hit me yeah no so, so finland um one of the most progressive countries in europe i think in terms of equality and how they introduce equality um, I think they're the only country in Europe, actually, or the the not the progressive world. Um, I, I, I can't world. think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the one of the one of the only the only country where fathers actually spend more time, on average, with their children than mothers. Now it's oh, nice. it's only eight it's eight minutes, but it's it's still <laughs> more time. <laughs> yeah. well, they they had this incentive called daddy time. Where they we, oh, we, cool. they introduced this and uh, it was it was encouraged and they ran this big PR campaign where it was like dads in construction uniforms pushing prams <laughs> you know it was really trying to break that <laughs> break down that stigma of men pushing yeah. pushing their kids or looking after their children and I think this this year they go a step further and I think in I think it's June or some something sometime around the middle of this year they introduce into law that each parent gets seven months paid paternity leave with with their children because they wow. they understand that that like you mentioned the the bond and statistically speaking the child will do better with both with both parents in and around them at the mm. same time yeah yeah 100% and you know there's, there's there's links with all of that and i'm sure they've done this uh you know research but all they've read the research and thought i'm using that but there's research out there that shows that links of uh, mental health issues in parents both parents 
postnatal depression, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Suicide, unfortunately. Sorry to bring it down to a dark level, and also yeah. uh, broken homes. There's massive links to all of that to do with uh, the first year, the first year or two years um, of the, the perinatal period, basically. So the, the becoming a becoming a father, becoming a mother, um, and there's loads of factors loads of factors but one of the contributing factors is an outdated maternity and paternity system so yeah they're absolutely right because because of that science behind the fact that you need more time with your kid in that first couple of years um yeah. for all of you so yeah i hear it it's brilliant i would look into that more actually use it as a guide <laughs> whilst we're on the sort of first couple of months was it everything that you expected it would be or or not at all? Uh, it's difficult because uh, it, we had her in So it was kind of quick. Uh, I've gone, no, we're back. <laughs> um, we had her in October. And um, yeah, basically it was uh, it's straight into Christmas. Um, it was from what I can remember, it was quite smooth. And this is something I, I kind of annoy my my friends with because my daughter's always been quite good at sleeping, um, quite good at uh, going through the different stages of growth and, you know, the different sort of periods of change. Um, so what I remember about the first few months really is that uh, apart from being really tired and apart from having quite a lot of trial and error of what will calm her down soothe her that kind of thing the normal things i can't remember many major issues and i just remember it being relatively smooth comparatively to what i've heard from other parents um so now i think the first few months as much as they are new um yeah. i guess i guess on a personal level it was a bit it was a bit of a journey because um i had to come to terms quite quickly with regards to the fact that i'd lost control of everything <laughs> so like from a from a uh, kind of psyche mental health point of view i've always had quite bad control issues like i'm not a control freak where i control people but i have to have quite a tight control on everything around me and know what's happening next and think quite methodically and logically yeah. about everything and of course a baby a human being you can't control anything. You don't know what's going to happen next about everything. So that was a big issue. Um, and I had to really get used to that. Um, but, um, do you know, the thing that I always talk about actually, when people talk to me about those first few months and when they worry about that same thing that I do, because it's actually quite a common thing that men go through that loss of, that loss of control, lack of control. Yeah. Um, I say to them, look, the way I dealt with it was, I grasped, I grasped control of what I could control. So I looked at how I could help, how I could support my wife, how I could do things for the baby and how I could control the house and how I could support her in other ways, support my mom, my wife, my mom, my mom, my wife and my daughter in other ways. Um, and, uh, and basically be, uh, in control of what I can control, control the controllables, you know? Yeah. And if I can't, if I can't control something, don't dwell on it. Don't deal with it. Just actually almost sit back and laugh a little bit that, you know, this is just, I can't read this baby's mind, man. You know, like just let her, let her be her. And, and, and it's, it's stressful. It's hard. Uh, it's tiring. And, you know, you get all the natural human instincts. of this is just driving me crackers. Um, but we're adaptable and you've just got to try and focus, I guess. Uh, focus is a big thing. Focus on the positives, focus on the controllables. And, you know, 
I'm not kind of trying to be quite sort of arrogant about it. I'm actually more putting a disclaimer out there really that I didn't really suffer. I kind of felt like I did quite well and I'm happy and proud of it in a sense of, I know, I know full well, I could have completely capitulated and been like the first few months were a fucking nightmare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and it wasn't, it went pretty smooth. It was good. So I'm happy. <laughs> did you get any advice from parents or people that you knew? Yeah, um, I did. <laughs> and this is a bit of a bane in my life, actually, because I'm out of my group of mates, I was the last one to have kids, really. Right. Um, so so all my mates were saying things before I had my daughter. Um, they were saying things like, uh, oh, you know, mate, you're going to lose a lot of sleep. Oh, mate, you know, it's hard work. You, you really need to buckle in, mate. It's going to be really tough. All the sort of standard things, right? Yeah. And my go-to reaction to that is, I'll be all right, mate. I'll be cool. I, I think I think you're overthinking it, mate. You're being too extreme. And if I could go back in time, and I have said this to a few of my mates, if I could go back in time, I would listen. And I would think, okay, okay, you know better than me. I don't know this. Um, what you're saying might be true. It might actually be true. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it was a rude awakening. And I was sat there at times, and I'm sat there, and I'm going, they were so right. Like they were really right. This is difficult. Um, but no, I had a really good, we've got a really good network of friends. I think I've, I've got some really close friends and I think, you know, every now and then I do lean on them and ask them questions of what do they do? Um, but I think something I've figured out quite quickly with parenthood is that every kid is different and every yeah. parent is different. So it really is take every bit of advice, take every bit of Googling with a pinch of salt and, and trial and error and work it out what's best for your, for your son or daughter. Um, you know, because if you listen and, and, and put a lot of pay a lot of attention to everybody else's opinion before you know it, you're doing things that are quite wrong for your for your son or daughter. So um yeah, we learned that quite quite quickly, which is good as well. <laughs> so she's she's two now, is that right? Mm. Three mm -hmm. in October. Yeah, three in October, yeah. Yeah. Started nursery or not yeah, she, well, she's in a childminders, um, and she's we're we're priming her for um, like a preschool kind of thing in January 2022. So she's already got a place because we're sad and we organised it quite early. Um, and, and even even the manager of the place was like, "You're the first person to book a place, so it's all good. You're in." And I'm like, yeah. okay. "I thought I was being I thought I was being good, but clearly I'm sad." Um, so yeah, she's she's cool. She enjoys it. She loves childminders. So yeah, it's good. So, John, what what starts your journey on the on the whole mental health support? Because obviously yeah. that's where that's where we became connected. Like I found your page, saw what you mm. was doing. Uh, I, I'll put the links into um, to your your Instagram on here as well, so people can check it out. Because there, there is some really good oh, things you. on there as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, what what started you on on that journey? Yeah, so um, 2019, so a couple of years ago now, a year and a bit ago, um, it was World Mental Health Day. It was October, so it was just before my daughter's first birthday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was sat there and I was skimming through Instagram and I was kind of like, um, there's some really great stuff out there. You know, I was, I'm a peer-to-peer counsellor, mental health first aider, and I'm kind of switched on and kind of interested in mental health generally. So I really wanted to see what was out there on World Mental Health Day for men, you know, and just share some nice posts and stuff like that. Um, and I'm scanning through, and I think it's really great what, what people are doing. There's a lot of great stuff out there for men. And I thought, this is good. This is nice. 
Um, but there was just something missing for, for, for dads. Like I just kind of thought to myself, like there's a gap. Like I work in marketing and it wasn't like a, oh, there's a gap. I can sell something. It was more like a, oh, there's a gap. Why? Like, why aren't we talking about this? Like it's a big deal being a dad. Um, so before I started the page, I decided to do a bit of research around um, kind of what's out there. So, you know, if I struggled, I put myself in the shoes of someone who really struggled, you know, postnatal depression, really serious mental health issues straight away becoming a dad. Uh, and I really struggled to find stuff. I really struggled yeah. to find anything. The NHS have some resources. They have some stuff out there, but there's, there's not a great deal and it's not easy to find. Um, then there was this big research project that I found, which is really cool, but also that's like a research project. It's not publicized. It's not marketed. And then there was a couple of people campaigning, like just a handful of people, and they weren't really marketing themselves very well either. Um, so what I thought to myself was I want to start a page and I want to start one that um, kind of offers an opportunity to signpost um, kind of to any dads that might be struggling, what is out there, and also kind of what is out there from a men's mental health point of view. So kind of bring it full circle and go, right, if you're a dad and you're struggling, what about this stuff that's out there anyway that'll just help you as a man because that'll help you as a dad, you know, the intrinsic sort of link. Um, so I started as a signposting page and it was faceless. It was private almost. You know, it was open, but it was private. I wasn't pushing it. And I was just putting loads of resources out there um and then yeah lockdown hit in 2020 and i sat there and i thought this isn't really going anywhere nothing's really happening um i need to network i need to connect with people i need to put a face behind it i need to become more relatable with the the account so i sucked up my pride a little bit really and just started talking about me started doing videos started talking about my ups and downs as a parent started being really really vulnerable on there because you know honesty is the best way to yeah. connect to people and show that people are uh, to show that you're just the same as everybody else and that actually they will then acknowledge that they're having issues and probably seek out support um and then yeah it's just blown up from there so now it's sort of developed into a lot more than what it was uh, i have regular regular lives now with different people who uh tell their stories and talk about their uh, situations they've been in with regards to parenthood with regards to being a dad with regards to helping dads you know psychologist on there i've had people who haven't had kids i've had people who i've had i've had mothers who um i had a, a lady on the other, uh, last week actually helen who's massively inspirational because she lost her husband to suicide because of um basically everything we've been talking about a lack of support for his mental health um so she's really inspirational she's really leading the fight almost to try and change all these uh, policies that are out there um and yeah, basically it's opened doors to those kinds of things. So now I'm involved in a lot of different uh, groups uh, and alliances that are trying to force change in government. I've been opened up, I've had my eyes opened up to a lot of different accounts that are doing lots of similar things to myself, um, which we're all networking and trying to pull together. Um, I've also inspired accounts, which sounds weird saying it, and I don't mean it in a way of like, um, oh, I'm something special. It's more a case of people have seen what I'm doing and want to do something slightly different to yeah. help what I'm doing, which I think is amazing because I can't do it all the time. It's not my day job. Uh, and I try and just do a couple of things a week, really. Um, yeah, I've been on a million podcasts and this is one of the great ones that I've been on. You know, thank you for inviting me on. Um, I've been invited to talk at 
I've, I've done articles. There's a magazine out tomorrow that I've done an article in about becoming a father. Um, uh, it's called Open Door Men's Mag. Uh, that's kind of a, a community I'm part of now, and I've written an article about becoming a dad there, about my journey becoming a dad there. Uh, yeah, I've been asked to do loads of stuff locally as well. So now I'm sort of, and this is kind of the next step. I've told you about this, obviously, but I'm opening a community interest company in my area in Lincolnshire to, to sort of help um, men's mental health generally. And a big part of that will be dads. Um, but yeah, it's just blown up from, from there, really. It's one of those situations, I think, that in all honesty, uh, obviously in social media, the more you post and the more decent content you create, the more you're going to grow. But I don't think I've done a lot to do that. I think what's happened is people have realized how important this is and really yeah. pushed it out and actually pushed me to push it out. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, this is great what you're doing. You speak so well. You speak so honest. You know things that we don't know. You're opening my eyes to different things. Keep doing it. Don't stop. And that's inspiring enough for me to sort of create that content. I I could drop this any time, do you know, and 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 I I have a day job, I have a life, and I, I could easily drop it, and I would if I, if I had to, but I would feel immensely distraught that there would be a big gap there where where I've created this space, and it's a safe space. I have people messaging me all the time, just asking for advice, and yes. around the world, I had I had a guy messaging me from America the other week. Um, a really lovely guy actually uh he lost his son last year he's got two he's got two kids but he lost his son last year so he, he did have three um and he was really really struggling bless him and he had some real uh, major grief i mean i can't even fathom how he would feel because it's shocking to think how i would feel you know if yeah. i lost my daughter and all I could do to him was say, look, I'm always here to talk to me, open up, tell me everything you're feeling. Um, it'll make you feel better to do so. Have you reached out to local support services where you are, you know, and just give him advice. And, you know, I touch base with him every now and then. He, he has messaged saying thank you, but he, he also reminds me regularly that he's just really struggling. And yeah, there's, there's, there's times where you just really can't make change. Um, but, you, you know, this is where this is where I'm not the professional. What I am is pushing the professionals to yeah. do more to help these people. Um, so so yeah, I mean that's me. That's a real round roundabout way of explaining it all now. But that's that's what I'm doing. So it's great. What, why do you think there is a lack of support for for men's yeah. mental health? There's loads of issues. There's loads of issues. I could talk about them all day. Um, but it's it's huge. It's it's the cultural, societal, uh, historical issues that are in play. Yeah. There's a massive stigma around men's mental health generally. There still is, despite the fact that when we were kids, uh, when our dads were kids, arguably it was exactly the same as it is now, which just seems so wrong because things change so fast. So much has changed in 20 years for me personally and the way our lives are. Why hasn't something like this changed? So that's the first thing. Um, you know, the stigma is there that we shouldn't open up, that we shouldn't show our vulnerabilities, that actually we're expected and almost kind of forced to be that stoic, hard-faced, um, you know, uh, completely just keep calm and carry on, horrendous, stiff upper lip British nature. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wank, sorry. Like, I'm sorry to swear, but it's horrible. Um, you know, basically... It's after the war, I feel right. <laughs> good <laughs> just a minute um, yeah a minute oh, so i swore earlier didn't i oh god i'm really sorry um sorry anyone watching that's offended by swears um no basically uh i just feel like yeah those stigmas are in place still there are there are stigmas being broken down 
but there are still generational issues so you're talking about you know our grandparents our great-grandparents our parents and within those sort of generations you've got percentages what i sort of talk about and the percentages are very high in those generations of people who really can't understand the emotional spectrum of a human being from a man's point of view it's as simple yeah. as that you know uh, we're not talking about dads now we're not talking about uh, specific emotional uh, specific uh, mental health problems we're talking about actual access to your emotions and before i got into this journey before i started realizing my own mental health problems i was the same i was mid-20s late 20s and i was like this is not a thing people don't get depressed they're just they're just sad time wasters people don't get anxious they just worry too much because they overthink well now i know that's absolute bollocks <laughs> and now yeah. i know that like actually there's so much science and so much evidence that mental health is so much more important than it used to be or should I say that it, that it's always been as important as it's not been made out to be? Yeah. So, you know, you see a lot of this stuff now. Oh, mental health is just as important as physical health. Mental health is more important than physical health. Like yeah. there are massive studies to show someone with a broken leg, right? That broken leg will heal better if they're a happier person. Like there's actual physical science behind that. Like, and I'm talking on real basic levels now to, to sort of reach out to as many people as possible when I'm saying this, but that's true. You know, there's, um, so, so really, so really just circling back a little bit cause I'm going off on one now. Um, it's the beer, it's the, it's the beer. <laughs> so, um, basically, basically there's just too many, uh, shields in play to allow men to really open up and be themselves. And what I find when I do meet people who open up and what I find when I do meet people who are engage in that part of their um kind of brain really it is your brain um but also your mind i guess if you want to talk spiritually um what i find is that they 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 almost immediately feel guilty that they haven't felt like that already that it's actually something that they've just imposed on themselves and you know as soon as i hear that the first thing i say is that you've got absolutely no reason to feel guilty or feel any shame for the way you were previously that is anything else that's that's happened to you your your nature your 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 cultural upbringing whatever it is that did that to you it wasn't you like you didn't choose to be that person i didn't choose to be that person i beat myself up daily about that so i'm the same as these people like i beat myself up about the way i used to be all the time but i know and i try and remind myself that wasn't my fault you know what i mean like so it's it's, it's so difficult uh, but there are massive shifts happening. There are massive um, uh, sort of stigma cultures that are being reframed and changed. And the word stigma itself should be changed because honestly, the stigma nowadays in certain realms is the other way. You know, we're very positive about it and we're very open about it. And that is a stigma. And people hate that stigma sometimes. And it's like, you know, you can't please everybody. But um for me, I, I talk about reframing thoughts and feelings about a lot of things a lot. And I really do think that that's just at the bottom of it all. We really just need to uh, normalize the word and normalize the way we feel about it all. And actually what that'll, what that'll produce is, is internal change and, and change around you and everybody else will change. And hopefully everybody will start to open up more and just be happier. And uh, yeah, I think, I think I've got somewhere in the end with that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... <clears throat> my own thoughts echo echo yours really in as much as i had the same thought as you as in i used to hear people talk about depression and 
and, and had the same feeling, thinking, oh, they're just miserable. Like, you know, get over it. That that was that was my mentality. Yeah. And, and and really, only up until very recently, have I started to, to really understand actually there's something to this because mm. you know this last lockdown i've i found myself some days thinking i feel really low and there's no reason whatsoever for me to be miserable at all like i've got the perfect mm. life i've got the perfect wife i've got the perfect son i've got my own business we're doing really well what have i got to be miserable for but yeah some days i just i can't get out of bed you know i, I want to sleep yeah. And, I'm, and, I, and I can't shake the funk. And I, it, was, it wasn't until recently where I'm like, actually, this is this is everything that I've been talking down over the past yeah. 30 years, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's that realisation that's a massive step. Like, um, you know, just really just touching on that, those tiny little things you were saying there. Like, there's so many ways that you could portray that. So, like, yeah. your you know, your feelings in the morning where you're depressed and you don't want to get out of, get out of bed or, sorry, you, actually the best way of describing it is, you know when you said you don't know why you feel low, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's one of two things happening. It's either chemicals, like actual scientific chemicals making you feel low, which you have no control over, but you can do things to try and change. Or yeah. it's a, um, or it's a, it's a cultural surrounding like cloud you know, like this is the other way that people look at things. And this is what lockdown does to people. Like it's done it to me. I, I have fought it long enough, but at times I'm sat here and I'm like, I know that everything's great. I know that I've still got my job. I know that I'm sat here with the two people like you've just said. I know that I've got a lovely house. I know that I like my environment. And I know that I'm, you know, as soon as I do go out of the house and I have to socially interact with people, I know I'm going to hate it immediately, but <laughs> I still want to do it. And yeah. I want to do it because the cloud is hanging over me and it's bringing me down. And it's just the cloud of, do you know, it's funny. Somebody spoke to me the other day and I don't know whether I believe in this, but I think it's a lovely analogy. When um, stuff like this happens, so when pandemics happen and there's this big, you know, people talk about this mental health pan the pandemic and a lot of people struggling. One of the kind of spiritual guys that I really know, and they talk about shamanic sort of things that they do and all this kind of thing. He just really briefly said to me, you know, when you're feeling down and you can't really understand it, maybe it's because a lot of people are without the realize without realizing it, they're sending a lot of negative energy up into the clouds and then it's raining down on you. And you can't really help that. Like it's not about interacting with negative people. It's actually about the fact that generally speaking, there's a vibe. You know, there's a vibe out there that's just negative. Yeah. And actually that's a thing. You know, people talk about it. people talk about like, oh, I've got a vibe from someone. That's actual science. Do you know what I mean? Like that's giving you a vibe. That's that's an actual thing. That's pheromones. That's chemicals. You know those you kinds can of things. You feel that that's sometimes like, when you walk into a room and you think, well, yeah, there's a there's a there's a negativity in here. That's, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, honestly those are actual things that people need to get their head around. Like it's so easy to just go, that's not real. That's not real. You know, yeah. like I'm very, I'm now more open minded than more more open minded than I've ever been to a point where if someone can show me something. And, and explain what something is, I will happily, you know, interject it into my brain and think that's quite a cool thing. Um, but at the same time, if somebody can't show me it and it's just the way they feel, I'm also open-minded enough, open -minded enough, uh, enough to go, okay, so you feel that way. I mean, there must be some truth in it because you feel that way, but I just can't see it for myself. You know, I'm a bit yeah. still a bit cynical about it. So 
but there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like just kind of understanding that, you know, we're all in that boat together. It's like, you know, whatever makes it work for you. That's the way I feel. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, man, the chemical thing, like I could go on for days about it. I've met, <laughs> I've met so many scientists. Um, I used to work in, in science. I used to be a marketer for science. And, uh, you know, you speak to social scientists and they could talk to you so much about the chemicals in play when people say stupid phrases like, it's tense in here. Well, it's tense because actually all the chemicals that are coming off people's head because they're actually tense and angry. You know what I mean? Like that's an actual thing. You're feeling that physically. It's just, it's mad. It's so cool. But yeah, <laughs> going off on one a bit. <laughs> so if anybody is watching this and feeling like they are, they do need some help and support, where, what would you recommend that, that they do? It really, so it really does depend on I guess kind of what kind of thing they're feeling um but I guess a massive first step from from anyone's point of view whether you're a man woman whatever predominantly more men I think because we do struggle um to <clears throat> as we've just outlined ourselves we do struggle to accept that things are happening like that yeah my first bit of advice would be to reach out and talk to someone um and you know, everybody talks about this. Everybody says, oh, you know, talk to someone. Go and speak to your GP. Go and talk to your loved ones, whatever. Um, and because people talk about it so much, people think it doesn't mean anything. You know, people it loses its meaning. Um, I can't I can't fathom, I can't sort of word this strong enough to say it can genuinely save your life and change your life just to simply talk to someone, whether it's for 10 seconds or for 10 minutes. Um, and when I say someone... I don't prescribe to the whole tell your, your best friend, tell your partner. That can work for some people, and it's the only way it'll work for some people because it's the only person that they trust not to judge them if they're struggling and worried that they will judge them and what they're going to say. Yeah. But some people have this barrier, and I had this barrier, so this is where I come from with this angle. I have this barrier where if I told my loved ones, my family, my friends, my partner, what was going on in my head – I have this. I had. I had this fear. I still have this fear at times. But I had this fear that if I tell them, they'll run away. They'll leave me. They'll, they don't want anything to do with me. They think I'm a psychopath, right? And that is completely natural. Um, so what you do then is you find a neutral. You find somebody who doesn't know you. You find somebody who will uh, be able to listen and will want to listen. And those are actually much more available than you think there's people like myself there's advocates online there's so many different men's mental health advocates that are available in different realms that just might relate to what you feel in their content send them a dm if they're a decent person and there are a lot of decent people in this realm yeah. they will reply to you and try and help you but actually your gp and the services in your local area are set up to do this so it is a case of i know it's daunting to to make that step bloody hell it was daunting for me like I found it really difficult to go and see my GP I found it immensely difficult to actually fill out a self-referral form for counseling once and this is after I'd, <clears throat> this is after I'd already started my journey so I'd already started to learn about all the stuff I agreed with it all and then it came to a point where I realized I needed counseling again and there was this underlying fear that I'd, I was almost giving up like I was thinking to myself I, I can't win this I have to fill out this form and this is like a, an admission that I'm going to lose to fill out this form. And, and really it's the complete fucking opposite. It was me basically saying I need some help because I'm struggling. That's all it is. Um, so, so there's so many different ways. I mean, 
most areas, uh, just to sort of get a bit more sort of technical about it, most areas in the NHS have um, uh, free counselling services that are available to everybody. Some of them have long waiting lists, I'm not going to lie, um, but some of them also have community uh, services where peer-to-peer -peer groups can get involved and speak to you about certain things and just meet up with you and go for a walk and listen to you. Um, social media can be horrific, don't get me wrong, in lots of different ways. But there are some amazing groups out there. There are some localized and national groups where you can just simply go and talk or listen um, on social media in a private manner. I mean, there's a new feature actually on Facebook, which I've noticed recently, where if you're part of some sort of group which is um, in this sort of realm, you know, a welcoming group where you can talk um, and sort of outline your feelings or listen to people. There's a new feature where you don't have to do it with your name anymore. You can do it anonymously. So you can actually send a message to an admin and they will post your message anonymously for people to feed back and give you peer-to-peer -peer support. Anonymously, no one needs to know your name. No one needs to know who you are. A lot of people still worry and there's that stigma there that if they post something on Facebook or they, they're involved in something like this, um, it can damage their careers and stuff, you know, and, and things like that. So it's one of those situations where you don't, if you don't want that to damage something that's close to your heart, your family, your reputation, your, your career, whatever, um, it shouldn't do, first of all. But if you feel that way, there's anonymous ways of doing it. Um, and, you know, if you are really, 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 really struggling and all of those things don't work, you've got some great um, phone lines and text lines now. Um, one of them that I really, really champion actually is called Shout. I don't know if you've heard of Shout. Um, mm. But Shout Shout is a text a text format line. So forget, I mean, don't forget because they're great, but you know, when you think of like Samaritans and Mind and all these great charities that you can call up and get feedback over the phone and talk to people over the phone, people sometimes don't feel confident enough to ring someone and say yeah. I'm struggling. This service, Shout, is a tech service completely free and it's manned by counsellors, by, you know, certified professional counsellors. You text them, you text the word shout to a number. Uh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's Googleable. You can find it quite easy. It's a five digit number. It's really easy to remember. Um, in fact, I'll have a look now while we're on here. But basically, you text this number and you get uh, a, a text immediately to say, you know, what, how can I help you kind of thing. You, you kind of set up straight away. It's 85258. So 85258 is the number. You text, like I say, you text shout, you get an answer straight away, you get counselling straight away, 24-7. Um, so, you know, all of this all of this I've just said, if all of it sounds too daunting, just send a text. Send a text, have a chat. And that, that is such a good service because I, I know people that will struggle quietly because they don't want to pick up the phone and openly talk about their issues and those, the struggles that they're going through. So the fact that there's a service there where, like you say, you can behind a text message because some people feel much more comfortable like that right yeah and it works and it works and it's a, it's a nature you, you're normal don't ever think that you're that you're a shit person because you you have to hide behind a text that's a normal thing like don't yeah. worry about that i think the other thing you said there you know you said you know people who um feel like they can't talk about it you know actually it's really difficult that first time to talk about it you might not just go and it all come out it might yeah. be a really hard period of breaking through that wall. But I'll tell you something from experience. I had two or three sessions of counselling before I really did start to sort of get into things. And it is like you've smashing down a, 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 a dam and the water's just flying through. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, there comes a point where it becomes so much easier. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like 
making that first step is so hard. Making the second step is still hard. Making the third step might be quite hard, but it gets easier. And there comes a point where it's really easy because it just clicks and you're like, this is it. This is how easy it is now. I can talk about this. I mean, just to sort of, again, relate it to me because I try and relate everything I'm talking about to me. I still find it really, really, really difficult to talk about certain things. I was on a podcast last night. It was actually with a really great friend of mine, actually, who I've developed a really good friendship with, but he's got a huge podcast and he, he's never got me on as a guest and I always wind up about it, but he got me on finally last night. Um, and we were talking and we got really deep and I actually started talking about my family and my relationships with my family. And I, I found it really hard to articulate what I was saying and I almost started crying. So there's, there's things there that I really still struggle to talk about. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like we are all human. We all might find it difficult to talk about things at different times. I'm sure you find it difficult to talk yeah. about things at different times. You know, we're, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I almost have this guilt because I've had that mindset for so long where I've just dismissed anyone that's felt bad or upset like, like you said you know just get over it you know? yeah I, i've still got friends where if i said listen mate i'm really struggling with this they just say fucking grow up that's that's just that's just the way some people are um so I that's do, the I culture almost, thing i was talking about yeah that's the culture isn't it we're all, we're all we're all ingrained like that i was i was listening to something the other day actually this is really funny actually uh just lighten the mood a little bit on um jonathan ross the other day i don't know if you saw it a few weeks ago uh russell kane was on it um, and he was on with Tyson Fury. Um, and basically, Tyson Fury's there, he's talking about his mental health problems, talking about how he got through them. And Russell Kane told this little story about something he used to do in a sketch in his comedy shows, where he used to be like, isn't it weird how women in a WhatsApp group, if something happens to one of the women in a WhatsApp group, like they break a nail, they all rally round, they get the tease in, let's go around Sandra's and let's all have a bit of fun and all like, like let's yeah. let's bring them back up because we don't want them to sink into that depression. You know, they all rally around each other. On a bloke's group, if someone sort of intimates that something's sort of troubling them a little bit, oh, I'm feeling a bit low today, bloke's group is like, oh, whatever, mate, you're a fucking idiot, grow up. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. why are we doing that? Do you know what I mean? Like that, that whole sketch blew my mind because that's so true. Like I have groups like that. Yeah. Like, and do you know, it's it, it, people are opening up a lot more, and those groups yeah. are starting to drop them barriers a bit. If anything, this pandemic's helped that because people are realizing that they can talk and should talk more. Um, but no, I totally get it, it's so hard, well, and there's so many people just who struggle, you know. So, well, there was a, there was a report recently that showed uh, <clears throat> 10 million people in the UK are going to need new or exist or extra support for mental health due mm -hmm. to this pandemic so yeah it's becoming be more and more yeah it's becoming more and more mainstream i guess is the right word for it so people will yeah. be people are gonna have to accept people like me like who just dismissed it and now starting to experience problems yeah i'm gonna have to start accepting that actually this is a real thing and people do need to do need support it's amazing that it's amazing it's amazing that's gone mainstream but but the the whole phrase it's gone mainstream it, it's almost pathetic isn't it really yeah. because like like i said at the start of my rant you know mental health actually scientifically is more important than physical health yeah you know like going back actually going back to my hypnobirthing story about my wife like the stuff that we learned in hypnobirth and antenatal um whilst we couldn't always put it all into practice um you know, what, what you learn in hypnobirthing is that your mind has more power than your body. 
So like what you when you're giving birth, there are certain things that you can do within your mind and control within your mind, which will create less pain, which will create less worries and issues and problems. And okay, look, it's not 100%. Every single person is different. Um, but the practices are there and the science behind it that your mind has more control over the physicality of your body than you'll ever know. It's more a case of let's accept this is really important rather than being a second thought or an afterthought because, you know, if someone falls over in the road and scuffs their knee, everybody jumps around them. But if someone, you know, if someone who you're really close to is having a problem, you know, and you actually have the capacity and the space to give them some time and listen to them, why don't we do it naturally? Why don't we do it naturally? Why don't we ask them naturally? It's such a shame. Such a shame it has to become mainstream to be able to do it. You know, it's, it's mad. Are you optimistic for the future? Rose, are we back? Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, are you, are you sort of optimistic for the future of things? And, and are you hopeful or expecting that things are going to change? Well, after the after the pandemic, well, I just think that society's response to mental to men's mental health more than anything. Are, are you optimistic that there's there's a there's a change happening within that? I think I've got to be. I've got to be. I think I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be, but I, I have days that I'm I, I, I'm. I can't get away from the realist in me. That you know what you said there was absolutely true. The 10 million people who are struggling. That's going to be a long term thing. That's not yeah. going to be overnight. You know, a bit of funding, <clears throat> a bit of funding thrown at it because of the pandemic. When it's over, let's throw some money at it, and then everybody's cured. Um, I think if I'm brutally honest there'll be a massive dip. There'll be a massive dip where a lot of people, you know, suicide rates will continue to rise after the pandemic. Yeah. Um, as horrible as it sounds, they will. I think that mental health referrals will continue to rise. I think that men, more men will be, so this is the good thing about the negative. More men will be admitted and have problems officially. Yeah. And there's a, that's a good thing because uh, there's, this, there's this unknown stat that never gets posted because it's not really a stat, but when you talk, when we talk about 75% of suicides being men, that's a stat that is like hard and fast. But when you look at things like depression and you look at things like postnatal depression, or you look at things like anxiety and you say, well, what's the split of men and women that have been diagnosed with this? It's always more women than men. Yeah. But you can guarantee that there's more men that are suffering that aren't there. And actually, if you're experienced in this or you experience it on a level of reality of day to day, so if you have these problems and you're aware of people who have these problems and you can see it, so like me and like other people who are aware of it, you know, I sit there sometimes in groups of my friends and I think three out of them five have got deep anxiety. They're showing so many symptoms of their anxiety. They're not diagnosed. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I just think that what this will show, um, unfortunately, because it'll force them to go and get help, will it'll show that more men have more mental health problems than, yeah. than you thought, than we all thought. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it'll lead to both sexes at the back end of this in a few years' time, all our mental health will be on and up because 
um, you know, it'll force governments, not just ours, it'll force governments into funding this properly. It'll force them into making change to policies and to medications and to um, uh, to, to create more services and to fund more services so that we can all help each other. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope when they don't do it because before you know it, you know, we're, we're a, a raging sort of beast that can sort of fight back a little bit. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that's going off on a different tangent altogether, but I, I really do think that eventually there'll be a positive. Yeah, I do think yeah. there will be a positive. Thing. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the, the suicide stats for me, have, I, I lost a, a very good friend of mine to suicide when we were 21. Jeez. And, you know, it was crippling at the time. It was one of the worst things I've ever been through. And, um, mm. you know, the fact that 125 people a week still mm. kill themselves and, and, you know, and rising is uh, a, a frightening start. I mean, I was, yeah, I do, I, I'm, I'm raising money for Calm this year. We mentioned this yeah. um, previously, and I was just watching a, a video of theirs where they, I think, just, I may have made this number up, but it was very similar. 400,000 people called their helpline last year, and mm. they, they, they say that they, they stopped 488 people killing themselves. So the work that they're doing over there is just is just phenomenal. And I know you, you yeah. mentioned that you've raised some money for them uh, in the past. Yeah, I've done a few. I've done a few um, fundraisers for. It. I think they're amazing what Karma doing. So if anybody listening or watching this doesn't know what Karma are, it's Campaign Against Living Miserably, um, and Campaign Against Living Miserably stands for what it is. They are a massive campaign to stop people from living miserably to the point where they see no other option. Suicide needs a makeover because I think people still feel that suicide is this horrific, selfish thing. Uh, and I did up until a few years ago. I'm guessing that by the fact that you've been touched by it, you had kind of your own education of it, unfortunately, which yeah. I, I'm sorry you had to go through. But from my point of view, up until very, very recently, a few years ago, I very much thought that anyone committing suicide was only thinking about themselves and didn't think about everybody who they'd leave behind, et cetera, et cetera, all the old stereotypes. Yeah. In actual fact, it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. They think they're doing everyone a favor. They yeah. think that they are they're helping everyone. Yeah. That they're eradicating, they're eradicating a problem by getting rid of themselves. Um, and that is, that is the ultimate extreme. It is the ultimate extreme. It's the only end point where, everything else has failed them um and in some in, in a lot of suicide cases nothing has even been attempted nothing has been attempted to help because um well because of lots of factors um you know without knowing the stats there are lots of different reasons um and in some cases it's it's going back to what we were saying about the societal cultural problems of of men and and actually just not really ever having any iota of strength to even seek help and it only being the only way out. Um, so, uh, yeah, suicide's horrendous, but it needs a makeover. The whole phrase, commit suicide, do you know that comes from Victorian uh, crime? That's an actual crime. People, people used to commit suicide, and their families would have fines because they committed suicide. Wow. It's horrendous. Like, it's like it's, it shouldn't even be called that. That's why you hear now quite a lot in the press, you hear that um people say uh they died by suicide or they were um their family is affected by suicide and someone um you know yeah. 
was was killed by suicide you know because suicide essentially is a psychological problem it's a psychological output it's yeah. not a um it's a disease you know it's it's something that is a disease that kills people it's like cancer you know it's 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 not a um it's not an action it's not a committing you don't you don't make a problem out of it it's it's horrendous so uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, a sour I, tone sorry <laughs> yeah, no, no i was just gonna say like i like you have had many messages from from men who have been through it some that have tried to commit suicide in fact got one guy on tomorrow tomorrow night who's going to talk about that and he he t- tried to take his own life during the first lockdown so wow. it's, it's 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 a very Jeez. real real problem that we we need to highlight and and like you say maybe just changing the word in that, that commit is uh is just changing that initially to something different that's a that's a massive start and i think i think calm do a lot of that they try and um a lot of their marketing calm's marketing is around uh, highlighting why people do it um and why it gets to that stage and you know if you if we can all normalize it that it's we don't want to normalize it to a point where it's an acceptable thing what we want to do is we want to normalize it to a point where we understand that we're all human and we're all capable of that feeling um you know i am not ashamed to say this and it is something that i uh, haven't experienced firsthand until very very recently but a few months ago i i had those thoughts i had horrible thoughts like that about something that happened and uh, it was a very small incident that just sent me over the edge to a point where I actually thought about crashing my car. Um, and <clears throat> it was a really tough couple of days for me. And I reached out to people and I spoke about it. I reached out to people who I knew had been through it, um, who I knew had got to that point and actually come back from that ledge, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I, had a lot, I shed a lot of tears. I explained why I felt the way I felt. I told my wife, um, which was really hard and uh she understood she 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 tried to understand as best she can uh why i felt that way as much as she didn't uh agree or think that it was something that i should be feeling she understood that i can feel it and that's all we need that's all anyone needs that that understanding that we're capable of having that darkness you know we are human accept it accept it the world needs to accept it men and women need to accept that all of us men and women can feel that way and when we accept it we can then make change to help each other we can then go okay you felt that way i'm sorry you felt that way let's look into how i can help you even if it's something that all you need is just me to listen to you do you know what i mean it's like until you accept it there's always going to be barriers and those barriers will push people to that kind of ledge you know so There's no better way of really talking about it. <laughs> so let's end this on a on a lighter note. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> hopes for the future, John. What what family life? What what are your hopes for the future? What what do you hope to for the next couple of years? Oh, you know, I've got loads, mate. I've got loads. Um, you know, I try and reflect quite positively on the past and build it into the future. So I do want. I do think we want another kid, and I do think that we're probably going to start trying for that in the next year or so um my daughter will yeah yeah my daughter will be um we don't want we don't want my daughter to be too old if she does have a brother or sister you know we don't want it to be too big of a gap um so that's something in play um yeah i mean you know from a from a day job point of view i've got lots of plans you know there's lots of things happening with my company to grow and and to do more and um, and then from from the from the CIC side, you know, we're about to launch our CIC. It's called Men Talk Links, um, 
we're about to launch and it'll be providing some really great mental health services for men in Lincoln and surrounding villages. Um, and it's hard work putting it all together, but I've got a great team of directors, board of directors that are all doing it for free and helping me for free, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, just basically growing that and doing more of that and, and expanding on, on those plans. Um, I've In the very short term, I'm doing something with Public Health England in March, which I can't too, talk too much about, but they've invited me to come and be a keynote speaker on a, a change for father services, basically. So I'm going to sit there and basically tell them that um, mental health services for fathers needs to change and why, yeah. um, which is daunting, but it should be great um and then yeah just lots of different things like that just try and get my try and get my messages out there keep keep the lives going you know underlying all of this and all the stuff i've been telling you and all the preaching that i've been doing tonight you know all of this helps me all of this helps me on a personal level yeah. so um to sort of finish this off like my plans for the future really is to continue to be that selfish person that selflessly wants to help people you know because that selfishly like i do it selfishly because it helps me to help people so exactly I want to be selfish. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I've come across people who are like, can't do this, man. It's too selfish. It's like, what? You're helping people. Like, yeah. like it doesn't matter that you're helping yourself. Like you're helping people. It doesn't matter yeah. that it's making you better. So, yeah, basically for my own sake, I'm going to continue doing this. <laughs> so, yeah. Where can people, like I said, I will put the links in the, in the in the description on the podcast and on YouTube. But where can people find you? Yeah, so um, the MH Support for Dads page is on Instagram. That's MH Support number four dads. So just trying to be trendy and down with the kids, but it's MH Support for dads. Um, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Um, obviously, I uh, post a lot on there, so it's probably the best place to find me. Um, but yeah, the, the the CIC, I'll be, to be honest, it's pointless giving you the links right now because they're all in transit to sort of get made. So they're being behind, made behind the scenes. But there'll be a, there'll be a website, there'll be a Facebook. So keep an eye out for that if you're in the Lincolnshire area because um, there'll be some great stuff happening locally for that as well. But Instagram is the best place to find me really at the minute. It's probably the best place for me as well. <laughs> Well, John, listen, it's been brilliant speaking to you. Thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, look, no, thanks good, for good, luck with, good luck with everything that you're doing. And hopefully you can make some change. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can help. Both of us can help at least one person moving forward. <laughs> yeah. That's all it's about, isn't it? It's all it's about. And keep doing what you do, man. You know, like the podcast and all this, is, this is all fantastic. You know, lighthearted. Just trying to be as lighthearted as possible. Have a beer, yeah. let's chat. Um, like thank you for having me on thank you for getting the message out there and talking more and getting people to talk more man you know we, we need more people like you doing it we need more people to uh offer those avenues for people to talk man i appreciate it fab all right john good speaking to you yeah nice to see you mate take it easy we'll definitely do more in the future yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs>